guys, welcome to the third episode of the Daytime Talks with ICM. My name is Steph and this episode is dedicated to the exam season, so take a breather from studying and enjoy the upcoming conversation. I'm keeping the intro short and sweet because here with me I have a very, very exciting guest, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Cartwright. Hey, hey everyone, and hey Steph. Nice to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course, of course. I don't think it's needed, but can you do a short introduction of yourself for yeah, the of people course. who may not know you? Yeah, of course. I'm sure that there's first years listening, being like, "Who is this person? Why should I care about him?" Um, <laughs> and please don't. Um, yeah. So my name is Rob. I'm from Calgary, Canada, the frozen tundra of Canada, with cowboys and that sort of thing. And uh, I am. I'm currently a senior lecturer here at the International Communications Management Program at the HHS. Yes, well, thank you. Thank you also for being here. I think I'll mention it a couple of times throughout the episode because I'm also really excited to talk with you. Come on, it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, so you said you're from Canada. Let's start with, uh, I think a lot of people are also wondering, uh, how was your life in Canada? back in your student years when you were just a graduate and how did you end up in the Netherlands? Okay, in my student years? <laughs> okay. Um, well, you know, I am leaving in, yeah, I'm going to be leaving the program so I can be very unfiltered in this episode. Um, Go on. My Go on, student please. years, oh my, they were, they were a, dr- they were a mess. They were a train wreck. Oh my gosh. Um, so where I'm from, my uh, my school had dormitories, kind of like American, you know, like the dormitories that you see in um, the movies. And yes. that was like that. So like you, you moved into university. It's Canada, so it's freezing. And we had underground tunnels that connected the dormitories to like the student bar. So like it was, yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot, a lot of fun, you know, kind of exploring and finding out about yourself. And then actually um, in my second and third year, I became a, um, yeah, a, like a caretaker, a resident advisor, they call it a community advisor. So I'd, I'd kind of enforce the community rules in these dormitories. And I'd watch people like buy crabs and get them drunk and have crab races down the halls. And like, it's just, yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was very formative. How you ended up being like a caretaker of... Uh... It was yeah. It was a pay, it was a paid position. You'd get a, a guaranteed spot to live in residence, and I don't know. I feel like that's kind of like the mentorship sort of like mm-hmm. that sort of thing, which I kind of see you know a recurring thing in my life. Um, kind of okay. popped out, and it's like I was a mess. Let me take care of you messes <laughs> now. Like yeah, yeah. God, that sounds. Uh, that brings me back of uh, last year when I was a uh, class representative. It mm-hmm. was, I think, exactly mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. I was as confused as everybody else, but let me help you guys. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so maybe you'll be a future teacher. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> You're like, uh, mm, let's see. Future is something I don't discuss. <laughs> that that uh, further, like, uh, in the time. Yeah. I have my plan for one year, max two, three years in the future. Fair enough. So I'll Fair see enough. what will She's happen. Open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't answer your question because I got very excited, which I tend to do. Um, but I came to the Netherlands then after I graduated university. Um, I worked for a consulting company called Accenture. And it was one of those things where, which I'm sure a lot of students may, s- may, see, or may see that there's 
like you just get stuck in the town that you're from and it's like you live and work in the same postcode that you grew up and you don't leave and I could see my life heading in that direction and I was 25 at the time and I thought okay it's time for a change so let's go do a master's and so I went to the University of Amsterdam to do a master's. Okay, so you uh, graduated your bachelor in Canada, and yeah. then you moved for your master's. Yeah, and you then betcha. you decided to stay in the Netherlands to, to move here? Yeah, I decided to live in the Netherlands. Uh, the master's, I, I got my first exposure to research, and I'm a huge research dork. I just, it was like, oh my gosh, I love research, holy shoot. Like, um, <laughs> so then I, I, I got a scholarship for a research master's. Um, then I briefly taught. Uh, at a uh, university in Rotterdam, and then I applied for ICM. Okay, that was actually my se uh, my second question. Mm. Like, were you a lecturer before coming to to the International Communication Management Program? Yeah, I was okay. for four months. For four months, so you yeah. had some experience before coming here. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, for bachelor thesis is. But yeah. why did you choose ICM? I feel like ICM chose me. I feel, you know, it was, um, I wanted to stay in the country. Um, and I think kind of, you know, that, 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 you know, knowing about the program, it was so attractive that it was, okay, it was international, which is like, you know, as a farm kid, like I, I didn't grow up in a city. I grew up on a farm with like horses and like the closest neighbor was two kilometers away. Like, so that cult, you know, culture is so interesting and people from different countries I'm like holy crap like oh my you're from Poland you're from Bulgaria like oh my gosh and then that kind of the small scale like I think kind of hit the like oh like let me like the mentorship sort of stuff like oh that's yeah. so cool um so it was it was such a nice opportunity and I'm very grateful that you know in applying to ICM that they were like yeah we think you're cool okay Yeah, and how were you, you were able to implement the whole passion for research in an applied science university? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I, people, research is so stupid. You know, people, are like, oh my god, research. But I feel like that's the whole thing, and and maybe you see it in some of the the classes or the classes that I've taught is that sometimes you know what i saw at the re at the university in um rotterdam and in the university in in amsterdam even that sometimes there's this like this barrier that people put up behind research or academics in general that it's like you need to you know you need to have be very stiff there's a lot of arrogance and entitlement and sometimes you know just you know but research is, should be fun it's every day it's you know we see it you know all around us every day i mean like Even like you know, knowing what food restaurant you want to order from, from you know the take home or you know Tausbesorgt, it's like that that involves some element of research. Yeah, I absolutely get it because first of all, I'm in my second year. I think I've uh, spent my time in the university at this point. Especially last year, we had several subjects connected with uh, us having to do huge research about mm -hmm. it, like. Uh, DTP and of course the uh, theoretical communication, yeah. which was uh, really interesting. As far as we have the freedom to look at the stuff we want to. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, well, going back on topic, which is you right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so you moved to the Netherlands. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And then and I fell in love with the Dutch person. Okay, I see. Uh-huh. I see. So what were like the main changes you had to go through? Like uh, what was the culture shock when you came here? Mm. <laughs> I'm trying to recap. Okay, so which points did I cry? Because um, <laughs> there were a lot. Uh, okay, the first thing was the customer service. Oh my gosh. Like just saying like that's not possible. And then that's it. The conversation is done. Like... <gasps> Are you joking? Like, I'm trying to set up a bank account. It's like, you know, well, I'll send you, you'll get a letter in the mail. That's not possible. That's not, that is not possible. Like, oh my gosh, like I would, oh, oh, I need to write that on a piece of paper and burn it. But um, because in Canada, it's just like, it's customer service. I mean, you know, North American, like, how can I help you? Like mm-hmm. growing up in that culture where it's just very much like, oh, like your problem is now my problem. And the Dutch are just like, this is not my problem. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. I think the other thing as well was um, the courteousness. Like, I opened, I used to open doors for people and hold them open before going in. And I would wait to, like, have that courtesy, you know, because mm-hmm. in Canada, you hold open, a, you know, you hold the door open, people go in, and then somebody would be like, oh, let me hold the door open for you. That never happened. Like, sometimes I'm like, waiting at the door for 10 minutes being like, is everybody so unfriendly? Or like, <laughs> you know, at Starbucks, sometimes we have this silly thing in Canada where you pay for the person's, like somebody will pay for yeah, your order I've and you you pass it along, right? Yeah. That, but that does not happen. That does not happen. But I think on the, so those were definite culture shocks for sure. Um, but I, the positive ones were that um, I feel like Canadians really don't express how they really feel deep down. Like it's very... Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it, if it's like it for you and your culture where it's like you you kind of beat around the bush. You never say how you really feel. And it's, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, in my culture is even at some point unacceptable to share your feelings with the others. Right? Yeah, feelings yeah. could be hurt. But I there's such a liberty here now. I mean, it's not to the point where, you know, if somebody's like, oh, do you like my haircut? No, actually, I don't. Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not integrated to that level yet, but. I would, I would always love, prefer this than someone lying to me or just not saying that something is wrong. Yeah. Because usually in Bulgaria, people, they're either rude, especially mm-hmm. in the customer service. That's why for me, when I come here, the culture shock was actually opposite for me. They're friendly to you. Everybody were so really? nice compared to Bulgaria. Yeah. Because there, they won't even listen to you. Like, they would just ignore you. So when I came here, <laughs> I got used to this s- nice customer service. So now when I go back home, I experience experience huge culture shock. Amazing. Are you distrustful when people are overly nice? Is it just like a, hmm, I don't trust this? It depends on the situation, to be fair. I can't wait for you to go to Canada. (laughs) (laughs) This is totally fun. Yeah, because I'm usually nice. I I always, you know, uh, as you said, hold the doors, wait for people uh, in the bus. I would make space and so on. So when I came here, I felt so happy those stuff were happening and people were talkative. Yeah, yeah. Compared to Bulgaria. People don't talk in Bulgaria? Well... Not just strangers on the street, eh? Usually people are really rushing and they'll Mm. cut you off immediately. Whereas here, I can walk on the street, I can see a person with their dog, Mm -hmm. and I would stop to pet the dog, I would have a talk with the... The owner, yeah. it would be a really nice highlight of my day. Oh, yeah. I need to move to Bulgaria. Don't talk to me. I'm in a hurry. 
yeah, but there, mm -hmm. yeah. Sophia, uh, here I come. So in the end, uh, you had your culture shocks, and uh, yeah. where was there a point when you wanted to go back to Canada? Like you were like, I don't want to stay here anymore. Mm. I'm leaving. No, not seriously. No, and I think the reason why is because Canadian culture is very, or at least where I'm from in Canada, it's very consumeristic and very materialistic. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, imagine you go to a you go to a student party, you know, you meet new people, and the first thing is, okay, what do you do? What type of job are you going to do? Okay, when you study, what kind of career are you going to do? Uh, you know, what's the newest iPhone that you have? You know, like it's it's very much it's very like consumer materialist mm -hmm. and here it's 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 not like that it's like your your worth is not assessed on what you own or what you do professionally okay so that's what attracted you yeah. in the first place yeah okay. i mean so much so that i'm it will come for 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 you guys and especially the third years that are listening that might graduate soon and go into the you know quote unquote real world um that uh, holiday and vacations become a big point. I mean, like you're, you're, it's not just how much money you make, but your free time. And here in the Netherlands, the, the starting vacation is 25 days of vacation. In Canada, it's 10. Yeah, I've noticed that here we have a lot of yeah. free days. Like, it takes somebody working at a company 40 years, okay, not 40, but 30, to get five weeks of holidays. And here, that's the standard. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I I like my free time. But I like my free time. Yeah, even as a university student last year and this year, I think we get so many days off. Yeah. And I was talking with friends who study back in Bulgaria, I'm going to give for example. Yeah. I go home every other month because of the days off we have here. And mm -hmm. I would end up with some friends, you know, having the conversation like, I really don't feel like you left Bulgaria at this point because I see you so often. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the interesting thing then because I wonder to what extent you have one foot in one country and one foot in the other. Yeah. Because I have the same a bit where you feel you feel like you have your Dutch life and you, you also feel like you have your Bulgarian or your Canadian life. Yeah. And the, the, the paradox is like when I go back home I don't feel like I have the life here mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. when I come back here it doesn't feel like I've left for home for two weeks or two months yep. so that's interesting yeah you said something about uh, falling for Dutch mm -hmm. person <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I met a nice Dutch guy um, we dated for three years and then that yeah that ended that relationship dissolved but it was so interesting to like be really be then integrated into Dutch society with like this, you know, the birthdays mm -hmm. where they all sit around in a circle and you're like, this seems like it's from like midsummer. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah I can imagine it. Could, it can be really helpful. Yeah, except for I would say don't try and learn Dutch with somebody that you're dating who is Dutch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing, you know, about your life before coming to the ICM and uh, now we have to move to more serious topic mm -hmm. for just a second yeah. because exams are coming mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I, can, I can imagine that people are really really stressed at some point mm -hmm. because the workload and uh, deadlines and portfolios and presentation everything comes at once mm -hmm. in the matter of two weeks span. Yep. 
So, I would like to ask you, like, what would you say as a lecturer, as a someone who's assessing people, who's observing their behavior during mm -hmm. this period? What were the main struggles for students when it comes to this exam season? Ooh, that's a really great question. I think the the I think the biggest struggle definitely is. Um, I mean, this sounds very cliche, but balancing your workload to be able to, you know, split your priorities. Mm -hmm. I think that I, I've seen a lot of students really succeed when they're able to literally make a schedule every day for the next two weeks and kind of, you know, uh, work backward from the exam or their portfolio and break what they need to do or break what they need to do in smaller chunks. Okay. So that, that you know, of course, that's the big one. I think, um, yeah, but, you know, also too, because I, I, know, I know students sometimes have this wishful thinking or this false belief that if they do the portfolio or if they do the paper, you know, the night before, that it's like, yeah, I'm really motivated and I get really good quality when, it, you know, I'm under pressure. And it's like, you're not a diamond, sorry. It's like, you know, this is like squeezing really hard at the toilet and producing a turd, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> put that language out there. You know what I mean? It's like, there's this, I had the expectation too, you know, like, no, I just, when I'm really under pressure, I can produce great stuff. And it's like, you know, it's sad because as a lecturer, there's, you know, we have a certain criteria that we assess for and some of it, you just miss such easy marks, like not putting your name on the paper, forgetting your formatting, forgetting your APA, like, and it's just these little things. And that's, you know, like, yeah, I can do it the night before. It's like, mm, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think I have a really, really interesting story, tell personal me, story. Tell me, tell me, You're like, well, my I, TCR paper I did and I got an A like, the night before. Was that the case? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's even the, worse. It's even worse. Got so the 10. I, I had this um, whole preparation plan. Yeah. But because uh, during this period, I was also searching for accommodation. So my mind was somewhere else all the yeah, time, so I couldn't focus. Yeah. So I started preparing and writing the paper, let's say, two weeks before the deadline. But I ended up having just one third of it yeah. by the day we had to hand it in. Okay. So I remember I was planning to spend the whole day. <laughs> it was, I remember it so clearly, like our deadline was at 9 p.m. Yeah. In the, in the evening. So I was dedicated, I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna spend the whole day at the university writing my paper and yeah. I'll be done because I wanted to have the time to format it, to put the resources and everything. Mm -hmm. And my roommate's calling me at 2 p.m. And she says, we have an offering for <gasps> viewing. So I had to ditch the paper to go to the viewing because I couldn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I even texted you, you know, I, t I texted you, I think on Teams, yeah. to ask for two hours, you yeah. know, extra, like to hand it in at 11 p.m., not yeah. at 9 p.m. Did I but respond you to you? Never you? Answered, you never <laughs> answered. <laughs> that was unintentional, by the way. That was unintentional. No, no, no hard you. feelings. I, in the end, I was like, okay, yeah. I have half a paper to write <laughs> for two hours, as well as the resources. So it was a really interesting period of time. Oh so I was writing everything and I handed it in like, I think 40 minutes before the deadline at 8.30. And I was explaining to my friends afterwards, like, yeah, do you know the meme where um, 
they compare seasons in one show like the first one is well mm-hmm. drawn worse <laughs> and with every single part it becomes worse and worse yeah. so I saw my <laughs> paper like this yeah. <laughs> but I don't know like in the end I was happy with the grading so <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah but when you said it yeah I've been there done that <laughs> been there done that I'm happy that you're happy with the result yeah um, I'm happy that it worked out for you, but it, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those things that later in life, like you don't have the energy or capacity to like do these feats of strength. Um, yeah, I think the, and just to go back to tips, I think the other thing as well, when it comes to, when it comes to exam session and exam week is that a lot of students don't know how to study. Yeah. You know, when it comes to tests, like they'll rewrite everything, they'll rewrite all of their notes. And I mean you know sometimes rewriting notes is it's it's really ineffective or you know i've heard of some students recording their voice you know reading their notes out loud and then they listen to their and again that's not really that effective like so i I feel like some students don't know like study strategies especially when it comes to to exams that use concepts and theories like flashcards i think you know rarely do i hear that students make flashcards and that's like flashcards that's the thing that like sticks in your brain you know Um, and then when it comes to exams it's also yeah I think um, I think some students really you know suffer unfortunately from having exam anxiety and some do you know great things beforehand like stretching you know being mindful of you know not having caffeine you know things that sort of kind of trigger anxiety anyways um, and kind of avoid that and they can do that you know yeah yeah so those are your main advices when it comes to preparing for exams yeah yeah Yeah. i've noticed that every time even last uh, the last episode i had with renee Mm. it's really important and you also mentioned it now it's really important to prioritize everything you need to do because if you don't put the structure to the things you need to do you're gonna end up running from one thing to another and then to the so this can be really yeah and that's frustrating also to like learning about memory and how that works you know that like repetition over a series of days that will stick into your brain but yeah. the night before did you use this uh, method when you were a student? Uh, yeah, yeah i almost yeah, i my first year i had atrocious grades because i honestly didn't know how to study and then i was introduced to flashcards i was introduced to like doing chapters like you know studying for a week beforehand instead yeah. of the crunch and you know i'm kind of you know an anxious person or whatever so you know I would almost obsess about, I would start to obsess with how much I need to do rather than just doing it or kind of, mm-hmm. you know, doing it. And I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah. that's something common because I've also experienced that. Although I have this really toxic trait of uh, even not prepared, I'm not worried for the exams. Yeah. Which is really weird at some point because it can be a huge (laughs) drawback when you're not worried, you know, because you can't even feel this adrenaline coming during the exam and every knowledge you've ever tried to memorize. It's just like, oh, no, I'm chill. I don't need to put so much effort, you know. But, uh, yeah, that depends really on how much. That could be a strength, though. A question for you. Do you have any, like, superstitions that you do before exams? Like, good luck superstitions? Uh, Yes. I mean, when I was younger, that's um, like a tradition in Bulgaria to just throw water in front of the student, uh, like uh, the f- in front of the to- uh, front door. Yeah. You throw water 
and the student steps on the water and goes to its first day of uh, school and their exams. Beautiful. And because my roommate, she is a Romanian and mm -hmm. they have the same tradition. So now we're doing this uh, kind of mainly as a joke, yeah. but we're still doing it. Cool. Yeah. Do you have some superstitions? Yeah. When I studied, I would, if I was studying, if I had an exam at a desk, mm -hmm. I would touch the corners. I would do like, I would like touch. Okay. Uh, like with the, the left top corner, I'd touch with my right hand, mm -hmm. right top corner, I'd touch with my left hand. So I kind of like do this a little bit and then okay. like ear, ear, uh, you know, touch my ears with the opposite hands. And yeah, it just became something that I did. But no, I get it. Uh, rich, like those superstitions, rituals uh, yeah. can be really helpful. They can be, yeah. Just it, it, even if it's just a placebo, you know. Extra, yeah. I, I like the placebo. Sometimes. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's really helpful when it comes to anxious situations. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you need at least something to push yeah. you through it. And just a small thing on that, you know, I was anxious. I kind of had test anxiety, like, and I was like. For my third year, for the first semester in my bachelor's, I was just like, oh, I'm so, my mind is racing. Let me just try and take sleeping pills to mm -hmm. calm my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever do that. That's a, that's terrible. That was terrible advice. That was not good. Don't ever do sleeping that. Sleeping pills. Yeah, because then you're literally false. Okay, anyways. That's, that's. Uh, choices we make. Uh, that's interesting. <laughs> God. Okay, okay. Oh, well, guys, this was part one of the conversation with Rob. So make sure to tune in for the next episode where we'll continue the daytime talk. For now, thank you for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.